Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Merry Christmas, one and all. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've already heard the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 as we began our time together today. Now we're going to hear from another passage of scripture from Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 2. It reads, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was part of a conversation with a group of people not too long ago when one person swore off jumping through all the hoops of this season. All the decorating, all the baking, all the shopping, all the cards, all of it. At hearing this, the other person responded, Bah humbug, where's your Christmas spirit? And my question for us today is this, what is the Christmas spirit? We often speak of capturing the Christmas spirit. Sometimes we feel we've lost it. Other times we believe we've found it. But what is the spirit of Christmas? We all know the Grinch tried unsuccessfully to steal it. Poor old Scrooge did his best to ignore it. And the only reason Santa Claus is real and stays in business is because of it. But again, what exactly defines the Christmas spirit? Some of us might answer the Christmas spirit is the warmth and glow of a tree bursting with twinkling lights decorated by brightly wrapped presents underneath. Others might say, well, no, no, the Christmas spirit is the kindness and charity we exchange with strangers on the street or that we express through the writing of greeting cards that keep us in touch with old friends. Still others might speak of the familiar sound of carols or the anticipation of coming home to be with family as being the Christmas spirit. Most of us, perhaps not being so eloquent, might simply answer, the Christmas spirit is the, that general good feeling you get this time of year. That sense that peace on earth might just be possible. That nudge that maybe goodwill towards all people isn't such a bad idea. Now all of these responses, as good as they may be, they fall short of answering the question, really. They convey impulses or feelings, but none of these answers offer any tangible definition of what the spirit of Christmas is. Now, a cynic might argue, and many do, that these answers just prove the point that the real spirit of Christmas has been forgotten, or worse, is dying a slow death, crushed under all the sentimentality and commercialism of the season. 
And like it or not, there may be some truth to this. In our inability to get at the heart of what the Christmas spirit is, many of us have tried to make Christmas bigger and better. Each year we begin celebrating sooner, and who knows? Who knows, before too long, Christmas in July may not be such a stretch. We try to make Christmas bigger and better. We multiply the number of lights and decorations on the house. We try to make Christmas bigger and better. We up the ante on the presents. You know, we give appliances and cars now for Christmas presents. You know, we up the ante. We try to make it bigger and better by turning up the volume on the carols and the holiday cheer. So we orchestrate it so you'd have to be deaf to miss Christmas. Or at least you might be deaf when it's all over. We strive to make Christmas happen so we can find the Christmas spirit in all our doing. But as the author of Charlotte's Web, E.B. White, once wrote, to perceive Christmas through all its wrapping becomes more difficult with every year. Yes, we have all the trappings and the trimmings. We have all the stuff of Christmas surrounding us, but we still lack the spirit of Christmas. We don't even know what it is anymore. We feel like Charlie Brown amid all the aluminum Christmas trees and plastic sentimentality and generic chaos, throwing up our hands and shouting, can anyone tell me what Christmas is really all about? And thank God for Linus, right? Because Linus points us back to the story that began the day. Linus points us back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, to the event that defines Christmas, the event of the Incarnation, the stunning reality of God come down to be with us. Again, that's the story that started our day. That's the story we tell every year through cards and carols and nativity scenes. But do we comprehend, dare we believe, what this story so unashamedly declares? We can comprehend the incomprehensible vastness of the universe as well as any finite human can. We believe we can accept how tiny our galaxy is in that universe and how tiny our sun is in that galaxy and how tiny our planet is compared to that sun and how tiny we are on the face of this planet. But do we take pause? Are we awed by the thought that the creator of all, the one who infinitely dwarfs the seemingly endless cosmos, entered this universe and took on the shape, the limitation, and vulnerability of a tiny human child? We may know the story. We pay lip service to it at this time of year. But do we surrender? Do we understand its meaning, its stunning truth? Because thank God for the Apostle Paul. He writes to the churches in Philippi many, many years after the first, the original Christmas. And in hindsight, looking back, he shares the meaning of that Christmas, and he defines for us the Christmas spirit. Paul quotes one of the earliest confessions of the faith and declares, the spirit of Christmas is not a what, but rather a who, Jesus Christ. Paul writes, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If we listen to what Paul is trying to say, we might believe the spirit of Christmas is the gift of the one who was God, but who let go of that in order to become human. The one who stopped being God for the sake of our humanity. But this is not Paul's point. Incarnation is not about God divorcing himself from divinity, about God becoming less than he is for our sake. No, incarnation, God's decision to become human, is the very expression of who this God is, of what it means to be divine. Many of us perceive God to be a stern, grasping, tight-fisted, hard, self-centered being. We envision a distant, brooding God who can't be bothered, who is frequently annoyed, who makes constant demands and shakes his head in disapproval and his fist in the threat of coming judgment. But the gift of Christmas is the shattering of this misperception. Christmas is the revelation 
of this God who by his very being humbles all things, somehow becoming the definition of humility itself. We cannot come to this God. He is beyond our reach. But this God can and does come to us. This God descends, dare we say, condescends to us because he takes responsibility for us. He cares about us. No matter how far away from home we've gone, no matter how prodigal we've been, this God seeks us and runs to where we are and brings us home to him. The spirit of Christmas is the spirit of this God embodied in love. It is the spirit of Jesus Christ first sharing flesh and blood with us and then ultimately offering his flesh and blood, sacrificing his life for our reclamation. And love like that, unconditionally sacrificial love, love as everlasting that ultimately proves stronger than death, love like that birth through incarnation is no mere human love. Apart from God's revelation, it's a love that's unknown to us. It's a love that's unfamiliar to us. The spirit of Christmas is the expression of this divine love, this defiant divine love, a love that is a light born into darkness. Have we ever noticed there's a defiance to the light of Christmas that we lift up at this time of year? Such light lives in the darkness, but the darkness cannot overcome it. Such light points to the kind of love that does more than share our skin. It also bears our sufferings and our shame, but the darkness cannot overcome it. The power, the defiance of such love is witnessed through the very circumstances of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. For Jesus comes into the world, Jesus comes into a community that is marked by isolation and hostility. But divine love does not shy away from rejection. No, divine love transforms the instruments of alienation into the very basis of our communion. Unnoticed and homeless, this love builds new community in a manger, in a feeding trough. This child starving for attention will one day become food for the world's soul. Jesus' life is at risk from his first cry. His birth certificate is a death sentence by a rival king named Herod. Government-sponsored terror and murder are his welcome to the neighborhood. And yet, confronted by the threats, the reality of violence, this love refuses to be silent. Angels proclaim, shepherds share the news, wise men seek. Divine love, you see, will not go quietly. It presses forward defiantly. For such love embraces more than life, it embraces death. As Paul again expresses it, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. When we injure ourselves, when the cut is deep and the damage is severe, a scar is left. Over the course of a lifetime, we are both the cause and the beneficiary of many scars. We heal, we mend, we grow, but the scars always remain. Now, we can cover our scars, we can try to hide them, we can mask them, but we can't remove them. And the greatest scar we all carry, we can't ignore. The greatest scar is our mortality. We age, we forget, we weaken, our bodies break down. We can cover that scar, we can try to hide it, we can mask it, but we can't change the inevitability of our death. But what we celebrate today, the spirit of Christmas, is the expression of a love that can heal all our scars, including that one. The Christmas spirit may be born in a manger, but that spirit lives in the shadow of the cross. In Christ, the love of God has come down so that it might, it might one day be lifted up for all the world to see. For Jesus embraces a death he did not deserve. The inevitable end of our lives, death due to our self-imposed separation from our creator, Jesus in embracing a death he did not deserve, conquers the grim reaper. And through his resurrection, inverts the grave from being the end of us. From sealing our fate, he inverts the grave into becoming the door, the gateway to eternal life. 
Beloved, the true Christmas spirit, the true spirit of Christmas, is the spirit of God poured out in sacrificial love. A father willingly sacrifices his son. A son willingly sacrifices his life under the weight of the world's evil in an act of defiant love for all creation. A love that defies death. A love that heals scars by daring to graft its own skin over them. People who talk of the Christmas spirit may mean any number of things, but the true spirit of Christmas is a person. The incarnation of divine love. A God who is so committed to us and to our salvation that in Jesus Christ, he becomes what we are so that we might become what he is. To the Philippians, Paul again writes, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And with these words, Paul wishes the Christmas spirit upon us all. If we would seek to capture the spirit of Christmas, we would do well to capture the spirit of Christ or better yet, to allow the spirit of Christ to capture us. Because the Christmas spirit is not to be confined to one day or season of the year. The Christmas spirit is not to be packed away or stored in the garage until next December. Having the Christmas spirit is letting the character of Christ live in our lives and shape them all year long. It's the spirit of Jesus filling and empowering our thinking, our emotions, our words, and our actions all of our lives. We are swaddled, clothed in God's love so that we might live in defiance of the prevailing winds of cynicism and negativity. In the name of love, in the name of Jesus, in the spirit of Christmas, we are to defy the stress, the rush to despair, the push to perfection, the shallowness of mere acquisition. We are to defy them all, looking beyond the world's frantic pace, 60-hour weeks, 12-hour days, and instead choose to sacrifice productivity for the sake of relationship. So let us celebrate and lavish the wealth of time on the things that really matter. Our relationship with God. Our relationship with the people we love and with whom we share life. Because Jesus has come into our world. Jesus comes again this year into our lives. And Jesus will come one day for the last and greatest Christmas celebration of all. Until then, with eternity on our minds and defiant love in our hearts, may we keep Christ, may we keep the Christmas spirit all year long. For this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and Merry Christmas to us all. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.